Okay, everybody, it is time for everyone's favorite podcast that I just made up this weekend in fun, where I tell you about all the fun that I had this weekend, even though nobody asked for it. Hey, isn't that kind of the theme on this here Substack? Nobody asks for stuff, and I just do it. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about sports, so if you don't like sports, you can tune out right now. It's totally fine. Uh, I put out a lot of, quote, content, and some of it might not be for you. And uh, what I'd like to praise all of y'all on this Substack for, first off, right off the bat, is that y'all are very, very good. Unlike any other social media medium, y'all are very good. By the way, if you hear leaves crunching, it's because I'm walking in the woods. Y'all are very good on this Substack of recognizing when something isn't for you and instead of commenting, I don't like this or this isn't for me, you just move on with your life. And I got to tell you, I appreciate it so much. The group of y'all in here, the free subscribers and the paid subscribers alike, are without a doubt the best people in the world for that. Because I want parttimefunnyman.com to be have something, something for everybody. If you like sports, we're going to do Pigskin Picnic. If you like Game of Thrones, we're going to do a little House of the Dragon. If you like essays, I'm going to write an essay. If you like rambling podcasts, we're going to do rambling podcasts. We're also about to add a story-driven podcast. that It's going to take me probably like several months to work on it because it's science fiction and I'm producing it all myself. But we're going to have that. If you don't like it, it's cool. Just listen to the other stuff. But this weekend, I had so much fun. I was in Vermont. I was in Maine. Gosh, maybe I should not walk up hills when I'm talking. I was in Vermont. I was in Maine. Me and my wife went up there to chill out and have a relaxing time before the baby came. Ran into several mass holes, as it were, though. And I wanted to discuss that with y'all a little bit. I don't know if you know what a mass hole is, but you could probably take two seconds and figure it out. It is someone from Massachusetts that is an asshole. <laughs> and, uh, and with my accent, I've got a very, very thick accent, which I assume a lot of y'all do too, because I do tend to attract like-minded people. And a lot of people that think like me have a sort of thick accent. That's why we're all friends. We got that in common. So this is one particular time where I have felt, I don't know if discriminated against is the right word because I mean, let's face it, at the end of the day, I'm still a white guy, okay? I can't, like, technically be discriminated against. But I felt um, slighted and treated differently. And the only thing that I could figure it was, was my accent. And I say that because me and my wife, and I'm talking about servers at restaurants in Boston. Me and my wife are very fun people to hang out with and not in that like obnoxious way that like you know how some people think they're fun but really they're just loud and they don't know that everybody else hates them it's like they're having fun so they think they're a fun person I don't mean in that way me and my wife are very you know I won't say charming but like we're nice to people especially at restaurants because me and my wife both have been servers I ran a restaurant for a while like I and my wife has been working at a restaurant for like 15 years if anyone has respect for people in the serving industry. It is us. So like sincerely, we could be getting, me and Amber could be getting bad service somewhere and we will both still make excuses for the server. We'll be like, well, you know, they could be in the weeds. It could be this. So I promise you in all of these situations, we were not being pricks and we just can't see it from, from that point of view. Not the case. But there were multiple times 
in Massachusetts where the server would come up to us and it seemed at first like they had a regular nice attitude about things and we were about to have a pleasant evening only to it seemed turn on us and not be like mean to us just sort of not care about us and I'm saying that because I'm noticing them I'm seeing them care about all these other tables and with us it's kind of just like mm, okay whatever and I have to assume that it's because of mine in particular country ass accent we were at this one bar and we're sitting at the bar sitting at the bar and it's not like one of them crowded bars that has like multiple people trying to squeeze in we were at the bar getting like service for meals and there were people beside us and I'm telling you this bartender was going out of their way to get everybody's order beside us and then not even make eye contact with us as they walk by and again we're right there you literally have to go out of your way not to notice us or care about us and I told my wife I was like I don't I don't want to be this guy, but I really do think that it's because they see, they hear my southern accent, they see that I'm wearing a trucker cap, they see that I've got these dumbass aviators on, and they think that I'm, you know, someone that's not worth their time. And uh, I struggle, I struggle back and forth between being like, hey man, dude, that ain't cool. Like, you're you're being just as bad as these people, you know, by... by uh, being prejudiced against someone just because of how they sound. And then on the other side, I think to myself, I go, ah, God dang it. We kind of deserve it though, don't we? I mean, come on, Corey. Even you know that when you see someone that looks like you, you sort of feel the same way. And maybe, I don't know, but I do just feel like that if I was a server or a bartender, I would do a real good job of not letting it be completely on the surface. That was our only bad experience. Well, I said it was our only bad experience. There were also like tour guides and stuff who just seemed to, every time we asked a question about anything, was just looking at us like, what, they didn't teach you this in school, you dumb backwoods hick piece of shit? <laughs> so, but other than that, Boston was wonderful. I love Boston because I am a big, I won't say history buff because I think the term history buff sort of implies that like, you know a lot about it, um, which I, I mean, I do. I know bits and pieces of almost everything, if that makes sense. Like all I listen to is history podcasts. Most books I read are history-based books or biographies of historical figures and stuff. And so like, I've, like the cities that I've always really, really, really enjoyed have been your Bostons, your Washington DCs, your New York cities and such. And I think and if you're from Boston, maybe you'll agree with me. Or if you've just been there, I think you'll agree with me. Boston is kind of like if you mixed Washington, D.C. and New York together, if that makes sense. Because it's got that super historical feel that permeates through the city and almost like almost gives it its pulse. But you, it's also, you know, kind of a bigger city with people, with Yankee accents, kind of being dickheads, and everybody's in a hurry, and they're super crazy about their sports team, which you don't really get that in Washington, D.C., uh, and I love it so much, and we had a blast, and we ate our way in chowder, and then we made our way up the uh, northeastern, or uh, the New England area, and we went to Portland, Maine, which we've played several times on tour, and I thought to myself, you know, I bet you when we get to Portland, Maine, 
I'm not going to think it's as beautiful as the first time I saw it. And those lobster rolls aren't going to taste as good as the first time I ate them. And I'm here to tell you, Substackers, that not only was I wrong, it was the complete opposite. It was more beautiful. The lobster rolls were twice as good. What a spectacular place. And thank you to everybody on this Substack who gave me the uh, recommendations of places to go in Portland and Salem and all those. We, a lot of people think, oh, you don't really take those recommendations. We did. My wife saw your comments and she made a list and we did a pretty good job of checking damn near everything off that list. The only thing that y'all suggested we did that we didn't, we weren't able to do is we weren't able to get to Mike's Pastries in Boston. Uh, and the reason that we weren't able to get there is because everyone else in the goddamn world was trying to get to Mike's Pastries at all hours of the day. So I have to assume that them some bitchin' cannolis or whatever they got there are pretty damn good, uh, but we didn't get it. Then we headed up to Vermont, still relaxing, still just enjoying the bed and breakfast life. Just those cliche things about Vermont that you say out loud to your friends and you almost want to make fun of yourself for it. But then when you actually do it, you're like, oh, right. Sometimes there's a reason that things get cliche. It's because they're very good. This, I think we call the 50 million Elvis fans can't be wrong philosophy. It's like sometimes when something is very, very, very popular, it is because it is good, such as Game of Thrones and, if I may say so, the Mission Impossible franchise. Speaking of Mission Impossible franchise, I've been thinking, why don't I do movie reviews on here? Would you guys be into that? This is such a stupid stream of consciousness. I'm sorry. Would you be into that, though? Because I have been reading. Another thing I did this weekend while we are on vacation. Yes, a lot of you are probably nodding off right now going, boy, he is manic today. I sure am. I'm in a good mood ladies and gentlemen and friends beyond the binary. And I have been reading the Harry Potter books because I'd never done that. The movies are some of my favorite movies in the world, but I've been reading the books. And I thought to myself, eh, there's no way I'm going to enjoy this. I know the story. Once again, Corey was wrong, everybody. I am enjoying them so much. Um, I don't want to be one of those people that goes, oh, well, the book is actually better than the movie because they're two completely different mediums. One has its pros, the other has its cons, whatever. But I am super enjoying them. And as I was doing that, diving deeper into the Harry Potter lore, of course, my stupid capitalism brain, which I don't want to have, but that is just the society we live in, immediately thought to myself, how do I turn this innocent hobby into something I do for my job? And I thought, maybe I'll do a Harry Potter podcast. I bet people on Substack will like that. They like writing. They like your writing. And if they like your writing, surely to God, they would like writing that was actually, you know, good. <laughs> so why not dive into that? And then, of course, my crazy brain, the one that you're hearing right now, thought to himself, mm, I don't know, because everybody sure seems super mad at J.K. Rowling right now because she is, quote, a turf. And if those of you out there uh, who are normal and have healthy lives don't know, a turf is what I believe is a trans-exclusionary, trans, a trans-exclusive radical feminist, which means it is someone who is, identifies as a feminist, but then goes, but screw trans people because, you know, they ain't us. And uh, I don't rock with that, you know? I don't rock with that at all. I think that uh, everyone who is discriminated against ought be in the same boat with each other, helping each other paddle. That's just me. Uh, not belonging to any of them groups. It's easy for me as a white man to say, so I will end the discussion there as not to put my foot 
in my mouth or my head up my own ass where it normally lives 24-7. But I thought about that and I was like, man, people are going to be like all up on me for like, don't prop up JK Rowling. She's a hater and, and all this stuff. And then that, of course, took my brain into a tailspin of like, okay, where do we draw the line with separating the art from the artist? And is there actually a moral right or wrong on the subject, or is it basically just left up to your tastes? And I think that that's interesting to talk about, and those are things that I like to talk about, are things, like there there are obviously things that are concretely morally right or morally wrong, such as it doesn't matter what you believe, killing a person is bad, and we can all agree with that. There is no gray area. The gray area would be if they were trying to kill you or they had hurt your child. Okay, sure. But like at the end of the day, we know killing an innocent person is bad. There's no argument that can be made on the other side. There are several things that, again, are complete, concrete, uh, uh, moral binaries that we know are right and wrong. But then there are other things that it's really up to the person on whether something is right or wrong. And those tend to be the things that we argue about the most that frustrates me. Because it's like, oh, actually, in these situations, there is, there could be a conversation. You, you don't really, you don't really get to just stand up on your pedestal and claim that you have moral superiority over something that everyone has kind of a varying opinion on. Such as, again, uh, in the argument of slavery, there is a right side and there is a wrong side. But when it comes to the subject of separating the art from the artist, I think it's a little bit more nuanced. And I think, like, for instance, Bill Cosby. (laughs) Let's talk about Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby is a lot of things. Um, A lot of them are very bad, but something that he is that you cannot deny is one of the most trailblazing powerhouse comedians and television stars of all time. That's not up for debate that you cannot like the guy and you can hate the things that he's done just like I do, but you cannot then take all those other things away from him. A lot of people, when somebody like Cosby comes out and does all these crazy things, they go, well, you know, I never found him funny anyways. Well, first off, you're not a hero (laughs) because it's not, it's not like, oh, well, I, I somehow knew, you know what I mean? No, you didn't. And also here's the deal. He was funny. Bill Cosby himself, the record is one of the funniest comedy records of all time. I mean, obviously comedy and all art is subjective, but you'll never see a list of the top 25, hell, the top 10 comedy albums of all time that doesn't have Bill Cosby himself, if not at number one, at least in the top three or four. I mean, you just won't. And uh, if you're questioning me now, you shouldn't because this is what I do for a living. (laughs) And I promise you, I know. And when it comes to separating the art for the artist, I think when it comes to a comedian, it's a lot harder for us to do that than it would be for a book series. And I say that because when you see or you hear Bill Cosby doing stand-up now, if you go back and listen to those old records, you're hearing the person that did all of these horrible things. And it is almost impossible to not be thinking about Bill Cosby doing those horrible things while Bill Cosby is on stage talking about being a parent or Greece. It's almost impossible. If you're a fan of Louis C.K., and you go back and you're like, well, his old stuff was still good. And, and it is. Uh, Louis C.K. was uh, is one of the most influential comedians of all time, whether that be good or bad. But when you go back and watch his old stuff, you, it's hard to separate 
his funny jokes from the man we found out he was because his art is him. Bill Cosby's art was him being in front of the camera and him saying it. When it comes to somebody like J.K. Rowling, I think it's quite easier because no one was a J.K. Rowling fan. I mean, they were. They were a fan of her work. They were a Harry Potter fan. They liked the books. They liked the world she created. And J.K. Rowling isn't in that world. It's a completely fictitious world that you can get lost in. And I don't think that many people reading or watching Harry Potter have a conscious thought about J.K. Rowling at all while they're doing it. Maybe now they do. So I think it's different. And I also think that a lot of people's argument would be, well, sure, fair, okay, you can still enjoy it, but maybe don't do a podcast about it that brings attention to it because that woman and her art doesn't need to be propped up anymore than it already has been. Or, you know, if you talk about Harry Potter, it'll sell another one of her books and that makes her money and we shouldn't support. And, and I get that. And I get like, if J.K. Rowling puts out another book, maybe don't buy it because if you don't support her as a person, don't support her financially, I understand that. But at the same time, is that really fair? Like, think about this in terms of the Bill Cosby thing that I said. You know who got really, really screwed over in all that, aside from the myriad of women, of course, who were the number one victims, but something that a lot of people don't think about is like Malcolm Jamal Warner. Think about Malcolm Jamal Warner for a second. Malcolm Jamal Warner doesn't really work as an actor that much, probably because he was typecasted as, you know, one of the Cosby characters for so long. So Malcolm Jamal Warner, so much of his annual income came from reruns of The Cosby Show. And now that Bill Cosby has done this heinous, horrible thing and people aren't wanting to watch The Cosby Show anymore, which again, I get, it has financially screwed Malcolm Jamal Warner. And does he deserve that? No, but I mean, I get it. You can't play Bill Cosby on TV anymore. Come on. But with Harry Potter stuff, I think about that too. It's like all these wonderful actors who were a part of the movie and all these characters that we've grown to love. I mean, you know, they shouldn't have to, <laughs> they shouldn't have to lose out on anything just because JK Rowling is an asshole. Does that make sense? I just think there's a gray area there where maybe you shouldn't support this person anymore financially, but it's also insane if you think like, well, if you don't burn all of your Harry Potter books, you're not an ally. That's crazy. And I think it's easier in music too. Even like with comedy, it's the hardest because you're seeing that person, you're hearing that person. With music, maybe it's a little bit easier because like with Michael Jackson, I mean, come on, dude. We all know what he did. <laughs> we, we know, right? I mean, come on. We know. But are you telling me you ain't gonna listen to Thriller when it comes out? You are. You're going to listen to it, and they're not going to stop playing it because at the end of the day, we're, we're, at least we're not seeing it. We're just hearing it, and this is a banger of a song, and this song has transcended a, a human being. It is just a part of the culture now, and it's phenomenal. And regardless of what this person did, they still made a great thing and put it out into the world, and that doesn't absolve them of any of these things, of course, but like, I don't know. He's dead. <laughs> Probably okay if we listen to his music. And then R. Kelly's a little bit different because R. Kelly's still alive. And not only do we know what R. Kelly did, I guess statistically we know what R. Kelly did more than Michael Jackson because at the end of the day, Michael Jackson wasn't arrested for anything and R. Kelly was and he's in prison. But like, I got to tell you, when the remix to Ignition comes on, I'm still going to bop to it. I mean, I'm going to feel worse about it. But it was a huge song that takes me back to a moment in time. And I guess in that way, 
I can separate the art from the artist. It just gets a little harder between mediums, if that makes sense. Was it, didn't I say I was going to come on here and talk about how much fun I had over the weekend? I did. I did. And in closing, I would just like to say this. If you need any gambling advice, holler at you, boy, because I absolutely crushed it this weekend. I bet, not only did I bet on Geno Smith to win, to, to, for the Seahawks to beat Kyler Murray. Not only did I take them minus two and a half, you damn right I did, or excuse me, plus two and a half, and won that. I bet on the freaking Jets and won. Do you know how insane it is for the Jets to cover? Not only cover, but win. I did it. I also bet the under in the Tampa Bay game, and it hit. I also bet the over in the Cowboys game, and it hit. I am on fire. The literal only bet I lost was the Miami Dolphins didn't cover, and I will defend myself by saying I was told that Tua was going to be back. Okay? It's the only reason that I made that bet. But I'll take four out of five. I think that's pretty sweet. The only bet that I have open right now is I have the Chargers minus four and a half tonight over the Broncos. And it wouldn't surprise me since I'm on such a good streak if this wasn't the week that Russell Wilson had his get right game and put up 45 points or something like that. We'll see. We will see. I think I'm going to start doing more random uh little podcast like this throughout the week if you're into that if not remember you can skip it and also please feel free to email me or comment on these things of subjects that you would like me to cover because i've been entertaining the thought about like binging some some historical fact throughout the week and then blabbering on about it on a podcast here on the Substack because I think that would be fun. Basically what I'm trying to do here is put out stuff that I know I would listen to and just hope that y'all are into that too. And that's something that I would listen to. That and possibly a Harry Potter podcast. Thank you for listening to me ramble about nothing on a Monday. I hope you have a wonderful day and look forward to an essay this week and some other goodies. And I love you so much. And remember, if you can't afford the $5 tier, just email buttercreamcory at gmail.com and I will take care of you. No questions asked. I love you so very much. This has been Corey's Manic Brain. Talk to you later. Bye.